Welcome back to our study of 2 Kings. We are in 2 Kings chapter 20. And uh, in chapter 20, we are still looking at the reign of Hezekiah. And we will see a couple of key events in Hezekiah's life here in this chapter. So let's dig in together. Chapter 20 of 2 Kings, beginning in verse 1, says, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add fifteen years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Bring a cake of figs, and let them take it and lay it on the boil, that he may recover. Okay, so King Hezekiah, who remember is a good and godly king, imperfect of course, but a good and godly king, he is at the point of death. It looks like he is going to die, and uh, Isaiah tells him, that's what's going to happen. He needs to get ready. He needs to set his house in order because he's going to die. Uh, later we find out it's a, a boil or something that he has. Uh, but whatever it is that's troubling is evidently going to take his life. And Isaiah confirms that. Uh, now Hezekiah responds, like you or I probably would, right, by calling out to the Lord and asking for mercy. Right? He asks, even though he's heard from the prophet, this is what's going to happen. He asks God to spare him. Right? He says, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart. Um, and so he's, what's implied there, right? of course, is he's asking God um, to, to show him mercy, to show him kindness, to show him favor. Hezekiah weeps and he prays. And God hears Hezekiah's prayer, and he responds to Hezekiah's prayer. He sends Isaiah back. Isaiah was on his way out, but it says, Before he had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. And God told him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, I've heard your prayer, I've seen your tears, behold, I will heal you. So God shows mercy to Hezekiah in response to his prayer. It's similar to what we see in the book of Jonah, right? In the book of Jonah, Jonah comes to the Ninevites and he says, you know, 40 days and you're going to be destroyed. And so the people mourn, um, right? Or they they put on sackcloth and and whatnot. They repent. Or maybe it's just the king who does that. I think they all do that. And um, they, they turn to the Lord, right? They're seeking God's mercy and God shows mercy to the Ninevites. He doesn't destroy them. He doesn't wipe them out like like Jonah had warned them. Similarly here, right? Isaiah warns 
uh, or tells Hezekiah of his coming death. Hezekiah turns to the Lord and asks for mercy, and God hears and God responds. Right, so this is encouragement, right? That God hears our prayers, that God cares about our prayers, that um, God can uh, answer our prayers, right? And he can do things uh, that we might not normally expect. God tells Hezekiah he's going to extend his life by 15 years. For someone who thought he was about to die to then be told, you've got 15 more years, that's uh, a significant uh, grant that God has just given to Hezekiah. So God tells him he will heal him. And it's interesting that it says in verse 5, on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. Now, reading backwards from the New Testament, it's hard not to hear there a connection to Jesus, who didn't just think he was going to die, literally did die, but then God raised him from the dead on the third day. And of course, Jesus was himself the temple, God in the flesh, or the fulfillment of the temple. He was the true temple, God in the flesh. So that seems like a little hint toward what's coming with Jesus as Hezekiah, who's in David's line, right, pointing forward to the Messiah, is facing death, but then is raised up from his illness on the third day and goes into the temple. That seems significant, right? Uh, God also says he's going to uh, deliver Hezekiah and the city of Jerusalem from the king of Assyria. That's similar to what we saw back in chapter 19, where God says of the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield, etc. Um, God says, I will defend this city to save it. And so Hezekiah is told something similar here in chapter 20. Um, and then Isaiah gives instructions for uh, a cake to be brought to Hezekiah um, to deal with his boil or whatever it, it was that was troubling him. All right, so then verse 8, it says, And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? What, what, what's the sign, what's the indication that this prophecy is going to come to pass? And Isaiah said, <clears throat> verse 9, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps, or back, or excuse me, or go back ten steps? And Hezekiah answered, "It is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen ten steps. Rather, let the shadow go back ten steps." And Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back ten steps, by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. So Hezekiah wants a sign. He's asking for a sign that God is going to do this thing. And God grants a sign, and he even lets Hezekiah choose, right? Do you want the shadow to go forward or backward? Ten steps. Now, it's difficult to understand how God could do this, right? Did God cause the earth to stop rotating or to rotate backwards? And how would that not cause all kinds of chaos and problems and whatnot. Uh, one person suggested maybe God just refracted the light and not that he changed the, the earth or the sun or anything, but he just sort of um, intervened in between the sun's light and the earth in a way that adjusted the light so that it would adjust the shadow. That makes a lot of sense. What we do know, however God did it, is that God can do whatever 
He wants. We don't have to be able to understand it. God created everything. We don't understand how. We just know he did it by his word out of nothing. Uh, we don't know how. We, we can't fathom how that took place. And so God can do things even if we can't come up with an idea of how he could have done it in a way that seems reasonable to us. He can do whatever he wants. He is able to do far above anything that we can even begin to think or imagine. Our little minds are incredibly limited compared to the infinite creator God. So we shouldn't let it trouble us if we don't know how to put all these things together, how these things could have taken place. We just know that they did. So Hezekiah, again, is in distress. He's facing death, but God shows him mercy. God heals him. God raises him up. We can even see, in a sense, a picture here of uh, our salvation because God tells us in the New Testament, our salvation, of course, is tied to the death and resurrection of Christ. And in salvation, we experience a kind of resurrection from our spiritual death. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive in Christ. When we become aware of our sin, God convicts us of our sin, and we call out to God for mercy, please save us, please forgive us. What does he do? He grants us not just an extension of life, like with Hezekiah, he grants us new spiritual life. He raises us spiritually from the dead. God is able to do that. Now, in the second half of the chapter, uh, we have a, a second story related to the reign of Hezekiah that is going to uh, point forward to the exile that's coming. Once again, we've seen, uh, I think, more than one hint so far about this coming exile from, uh, for Judah at the hands of the Babylonians. We're going to see another hint here as we finish up chapter 20. It says, At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, okay, so the Babylonians, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah welcomed them, and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons, who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, Why not, if there will be peace and security in my days? The rest of the deeds of Hezekiah and all his might, and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh his son reigned in his place. All right, so these envoys come from Babylon to Hezekiah, and it's, 
a little difficult to interpret what all is going on here and the significance of what is going on here and the motivations behind um, what Hezekiah is doing. Uh, one uh, person suggested that Hezekiah is acting here from pride, showing off all the riches of his kingdom. That's possible. Um, it looks like maybe he's being naive about Babylon, right? They're from far away, he says. Maybe he's not worried about them as a potential enemy or threat. Um, it's difficult to know what exactly is going on, but Hezekiah shows off all the riches of his kingdom to these people from Babylon, and Isaiah <clears throat> questions Hezekiah about it, and then he makes a prophecy about what's going to happen. Right? He says in verse uh, 17, Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. That's where the book is going to end, with Babylon carrying off uh, the riches of Jerusalem and destroying the temple and carrying off the people. It's going to end, end with what we call the Babylonian exile of Judah. Isaiah is prophesying that even here during the reign of Hezekiah before it comes to pass. Now is this going to come to pass because Hezekiah showed off these riches? It doesn't say that explicitly, but perhaps uh, was Hezekiah sort of accidentally acting out a prophecy by showing off these riches well they didn't they didn't carry them off in any way so it's not really acting it out but is, is there some connection it seems like there's got to be some connection but what that connection is doesn't seem uh, really clear from the passage but however it works Isaiah tells Hezekiah this is what's going to take place this is what's going to happen now um, he also says that his sons are going to be taken away, right? Some of your own sons, verse 18, uh, shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. But then Hezekiah says in verse 19, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good, for he thought, why not if there will be peace and security in my days? Now, there's a couple different ways to look at this. The way that I'm used to um, thinking about it, and the way I still think is, is probably correct, is that Hezekiah here seems to be interested primarily in himself. Well, it's not going to happen in my time, so that's not so bad, even if it is going to affect my children or grandchildren or whoever, right? Some of his sons, uh, and perhaps, you know, if his sons have sons by that time, I mean, they're going to be eunuchs, so maybe they won't have a chance, but it's going to affect a later generation, right? Um, so he's not terribly worried about it. Um, that doesn't seem right. right? It doesn't seem godly. That's not the kind of concern we want to have, right? About our families or our churches or whatever. As long as everything's fine while we're alive, well, we don't really care what happens after that. That's what seems to be going on with Hezekiah. Uh, somebody suggested one uh, book I, I, I looked at, um, the author suggested, uh, well, maybe Hezekiah means, when he says this is good, maybe he means God has been merciful because God could have caused this 
to happen right away. God could have sent the Babylonians right now, and God's being merciful. And um, it's not that I don't care about what's going to happen to my sons, but I'm just glad that there's an extension, right? I'm glad that it's not going to happen right away. That's possible too. That certainly would fit with the first half of the chapter. Either way, we do see God's mercy to Hezekiah, and uh, we learn from that that we can expect or hope for, ask for God's mercy to come upon us as well. Uh, hope for uh, and um, expect may not be the right word, but we can um, ask for God to show mercy to us, and uh, we can ex- we know that God is merciful. And so when we pray to Him, when we come to Him, when we seek Him, we can ask for mercy knowing that He hears our prayers. He doesn't owe us mercy, of course, but we know that He is a God who loves to show mercy, and that gives us hope. God bless.